Uh, one quick announcement before we get into what we're talking about today. Um, if you gave financially to Reality Ventura in 2018, then we have um, a giving report for you for your taxes. But we only send those out digitally, which means that if we don't have your email connected to whatever financial giving you did, then we can't give you that report. 200 of us, uh, are, are the re- our reports are still just like, don't have a home because we don't have your email addresses. Our, our admin team specifically doesn't have your email addresses. So if you, and, and this is the only way that we would have gotten your, gotten your email address. You're asking like, well, how will I know if you have it or not? The only way we would have gotten it or the admin team would have gotten it is if you gave through the Reality Ventura website or if a year ago you went to the website and signed up on it when we were talking about this a year ago. Other than that, if you wrote a check to Reality Ventura, if you gave cash, even if you put in an envelope with your name on it, if you initiated a payment through your bank, we do not have your email address connected to whatever you gave, which means that you need to go to realityventura.com and you need to fill out the form for it. If you go to realityventura.com, you can go.com slash giving reports if you want, or it's right there on the, the slider on the homepage. Just click on it. It's just your name, your mailing address, and your email address so we can get those giving reports out to you. Also, in the future, if you give some other way than through the website, just write your email address on whatever it is that you're, uh, whatever, whatever the medium is that you're using to give, and then we can make, that, make sure that's in the system. All right. Good morning. You guys good? All right. Uh, can we pray together? And then I'm just going to talk about what we're doing today. Thank you that you are all sufficient and all knowing. You know what's now and you know what's coming in our own personal lives and in our life of our church corporately. Um, today, Lord, I believe there's words you want to speak to your people and I, frankly, don't want to get in the way of that. And so uh, we together just open our ears to hear what you would say. I submit my thoughts and my, my, words, my words and my intentions to you. I see you'd shut up anything from coming out of my mouth. It's not straight from your heart. And uh, you'd open up our ears to hear only what, what's from your heart. We together say, yeah, if God's going to speak, then I want to listen. If God's going to speak, then I want to listen. Our ears are open. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the plan was for us to be back in Ephesians today, picking up where we left off uh, before the holidays. However, um, it became apparent this week that we were supposed to do something a little bit different, which happens from time to time. We call those, those days audibles. We call them like audible Sunday, which is just a, it's a football term where, you know, a quarterback calls the play in the, in the huddle, right? And then you walk up to the line of scrimmage and he sees how the defense is lined up and he calls an audible on the spot. And it's a very specific, strategic play um, designed to have maximum impact. And sometimes... God leads us to do something a little bit different. And so we value 
preaching the word of God. That's why we preach through scripture, like through a book most of the time. But we also value being led by the spirit and being attentive to what he's doing. And sometimes he, he leads us to do something that's outside of our little plan. So we try to um, stay submitted to that. I may preach a little bit long today, but um, stay with me. I believe it's a word from the Lord. So a couple of weeks ago, um, I was in Tahoe with my family. We got to take our kids up there. And I unexpectedly had several blocks of time where I just got to sit and be with the Lord. It's unexpected because we got three kids, right? And like somebody once told me, hey, when you have kids, you don't take vacations anymore. You take trips, <laughs> right? Uh, but I had some incredible just time to wait and be with the Lord. And I, as I prayed and just sat with him, I felt some pretty strong impressions about some stuff for Reality Ventura. And so I came back and I shared what I felt like was a, a word from the Lord with the staff and uh, then a couple of days later, a couple of the staff members, one of whom was the elder, just came back and said, hey, Dom, I, I think that word's actually for the church right now. And so we, we operate in submission, mutual submission to one another. And so when two people come and say that to me, it's like, oh, okay, Lord, you're showing them something I didn't see. And uh, I, I, I agree with them. I resonate with them with that. And so we're sharing uh, what I believe is to be a word from the Lord. As you can see from the word behind me, the word is ready, spelled incorrectly. Um, I believe, Reality Ventura, that God is wanting us to be ready for some things that are coming down the pike and uh, some things that he's wanting to do, frankly. I am not positive, but I believe that toward the end of 2019 and then into 2020, that honestly, I I think God is just wanting to save some people. Um, I I think he's wanting to pour out his spirit in a very special way to bring people into his kingdom family. Now, God is a redeemer by nature, right? So that means he's always saving people. His spirit is always drawing people and helping them recognize, see their need for a savior. His word is always going out and accomplishing that for which it was set forth to do. But there are seasons in history, we've seen this, where God just pours out his spirit in a special way, maybe on a specific reason, a special region, or on even a specific group of people, in a profound way, or even sometimes on a specific individual. And I think that in the latter part of 2019 that God was just saying, hey, I want to do some stuff, and going into 2020, it's kind of harvest time. And I don't know what harvest means. You know, we live in America, right? So bigger is always better, and uh, uh, more is always the best. But God's not an American, if you didn't know, right? And so he doesn't think like an American. So his ways are high above ours. And so I don't know what harvest means. That may be 50 very strategic people over the next couple of years, or maybe 5,000 people over the next couple of years. I don't know, but I do believe that he's wanting to do some stuff right around the corner. I believe he's wanting to bring prodigal kids home who have been lost and just like digging in the pig slop for years. He wants to bring them home and wake them up to their senses. I I believe he's wanting to break into stubborn, arrogant, self-reliant hearts that have been just cold to the good news of Jesus. I believe he's wanting to demonstrate his power in partnership with his truth in order to bring people into his kingdom family who would then worship, become worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. I think the person who's been bound up and addicted for a really long time, who just can't get free for years, that there's going to, like, God's going to have an anointing to break that yoke of bondage and uh, deliver them and save them. And I think, church, that he's wanting to bring that anointing upon you. He's wanting you to be the conduit for this kind of healing and this kind of salvation and restoration. 
I think there's going to be an anointing on us as we pray simple, faith-filled prayers for people. And as we do, that God's going to show up in people's lives. And why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he anoint us like that? This is the kind of things that Jesus said, hey, this kind of stuff would just happen. This is the stuff that should be happening. There's people who haven't wanted to hear about Jesus for years and uh, who you've kind of stopped trying to have conversations about the good gospel of grace. Um, I think right around the corner that you're going to need to pick back up that conversation again. You're going to need to pick back up that conversation. And maybe it's not all of us, but I think for some of us, those people are going to respond to those conversations and uh, for the first time ever. And we need to make preparations now, make ourselves ready now for what's coming. I think the Lord's saying, hey, the harvest time is, is here. It's around the corner. I'm going to do some stuff. Reality Ventura, you got to be ready. I'm going to show up, but you all got to show up ready. And maybe it's something God's wanting to do our whole city. Maybe it's something we want to do in the county or in the country. I, I don't know. Maybe speaking at other churches, the same word. But that, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is here and to communicate faithfully whatever God is showing us here. And so what I can do is say, okay, I believe this word is for our church. Now, I could be wrong. And a bunch of people could not get saved. But worst case scenario, God's going to save some people. Right? <laughs> Best case scenario, he's going to save a whole heap of people. Either way, I believe this word, ready, I do believe this word, ready, is for us today. And if God's going to do some special stuff in the coming months and a couple years uh, in and around us, that means we need to be ready. R-E-A-D-I, ready. So there's about 100 things we could talk about in preparation, but there's just a few, five specifically, that I, uh, I believe God's leading us to talk about and be aware of. And they're found in this word, ready. So we're going to put them up on the screen first, one at a time. If you're taking notes, uh, you're going to want to write these down, and then we'll go through and kind of break each of them down. Number one, the R stands for rhythm of rest. Rhythm of rest. The E, eternal eyes. A, active availability. The D, deep digging. And the I, intentional investing. I believe this is a word that God has for us and how to be ready for, for what is coming. First one's kind of a long one, but I, I believe it to be a very important and, and really difficult one, which is why I'm going to take a little bit of extra time on it because I need to hear it preached a little longer too. First one is rhythm of rest. You know, every single one of the Ten Commandments um, was given to us for our benefit, right? Don't, don't covet. That's, that's for our good. Don't commit adultery. That's for my good. That's for my wife's good. Don't lie. It's for the benefit of mankind. It's for my well-being. Every single one, all of them, given to us for our good. For the glory of God, for sure, but for our good. And we receive it like that. We get it. And by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit, you're like, yeah, I want to observe the, those, these, these parameters that God has put in place. But of the Ten Commandments, there is just one that we fully disregard. We blatantly even disobey. Keep the Sabbath holy. Observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath was initiated by God as a day of rest. And yet we just ignore the whole thing. By the way, American Christians are the only ones who treat this command with this kind of blatant disregard. Now, 
First of all, I know that we're not under the old covenant of the law, and I'm not trying to put us back there. But the Ten Commandments are still designed for us to obey and designed for us to, to live a fruitful, happy, and productive and healthy life. Also, I'm not saying that I kill it at this. I'm not good at this. But it doesn't uh, prevent it from being truth, right? I'm receiving this word with us today. But right? Don't covet Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't use God's name in vain. All the other commandments hold weight in our lives. We're like, yeah, I don't want to. We're, none of us are like, adultery? Ah! Right? None of us are like that. But when it comes to the Sabbath, we have this just disregard for it. But if we're going to be ready for what's coming down the pike, we must have a rhythm of rest. What I'm talking about is a day, a rhythm, a pattern, a day every week that is set apart to quiet our hearts and minds and lives. A day when we allow the heart rate of our lives to like slow down steady enough, long enough to get in tune with what's going on inside of us and in tune with Christ who dwells within us. I'm not trying to be legalistic about it or put some yoke on you. You're going to miss it sometimes, just like we miss the mark with all of this. And get too busy sometimes. But, man, we've got to prioritize this, guys. We've got to prioritize this and introduce this rhythm. Many of us, it's going to be an introduction. Right? We've got to introduce this because we don't have this rhythm in our lives. Listen, everything God is doing in your life is like, oh, he's good. God's doing stuff. It is for the purpose of it being given. Everything that is received in the kingdom of God is for the purpose of it being gi- given. But we got to be ready for that to like that work to come in us, not just in us, but through us. We got to be R E A D I Eddie and this ready. And this first one is rest, a rhythm of rest. Sadly, most of us only rest when we're fried out or our spouses maybe make us to or whatever. And for the rest of us, some of us, man, you just think you're being diligent, right? You're like, I'm just being diligent with the rest of me. No, you're not being diligent, dude. You're being negligent is what you're being, right? You're neglecting this invitation from God to come and be still and know that he's God. That's really what's happening when we refuse to rest. Is it's, it's us ignoring an invitation from God to be still and know that he's God, right? That's the command. That's the invitation from Psalm 46. Be still. Be still. And know that I'm God. The Hebrew phrase for be still literally means stop striving or stop working. A rhythm of rest doesn't mean that we grind and grind and grind until we're forced to take a vacation. That's not a rhythm. That's an emergency. A rhythm is something that has a repeated, steady, consistent pattern to it. I'm not talking about an escape when we're on the verge of burnout. I'm talking about a proactive rhythm that can actually prevent us from burnout. And in case you forgot where this whole rest thing came from, it came from God. He was not only one who commanded it, but he was also the one who demonstrated it in the very beginning after God created the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells in it. It says that on the seventh day, the day designed for rest, that God rested from all of his work. And when we choose to use one of the seven days for rest like God intended, then we come in tune with who God is, even what he demonstrated, what he spoke. And even Jesus Christ himself, as it says in Hebrews 4, that he is our Sabbath. He is our rest. And we were created in God's image. And so if God is saying, I'm resting, I take a whole day of rest when I created, then we are coming into alignment with his character and his plan. That means then that Sabbath Rest harmonizes us with God in this way. 
Most of us, though, were going so hard and so fast that we would actually have no clue if God was moving in profound ways around us or not. Because we didn't stop long enough to, to observe. We would have, we're clueless if God's doing that because we don't stop and, and get in touch with what's actually happening in us and Christ in us and what he's really doing. We don't stop long enough to do that. For all we know, we could be totally missing it. Uh, our a really good friend, Aubrey, she's been like an adopted part of our family for, I don't know, 12, 13 years, something like that. Um, several months ago, she saw this beautiful vision from the Lord. And she told some people about it, but she didn't tell me about it until a week later when it like unfolded in my life. And I was telling her, and she was like, what? That was the vision I saw. Anyway, so I'm going to tell you the vision because I think it was, it was right and it was good and it was for us. And it was so perfectly Picture, picturing what was happening in my life and many of our lives, maybe right now even. Um, she saw this, this, uh, this heart, like a heart, like a you know, human heart, and it was, um, it was the heart of God. And it was beating, right, in like a consistent rhythm. You know how hearts beat? It's like a dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. I can bob your head to it if you want, right? There's like a, there's a rhythm to it. And then surrounding the heart were God's people. And they were all dancing but they were dancing like, you know those people sometimes at like a wedding where you're like, do you hear the music? <laughs> like, I know you're having fun. But like, are you, are you even aware of like what's happening, right? Like Jack Johnson says about his wife, like, like a jellyfish, right? That's how my, my sister dances. Just like, I don't care where the rhythm is. Like, I'm going for it, right? Just free. And the people were dancing like this. And they, it wasn't bad. It was just like, they were just kind of oblivious to like the rhythm of the heart, and then all of a sudden, they all began to stop and be still, and then all like turned their attention to this heart and the rhythm of the heart, and then they like caught the rhythm, right, and all began to like dance in sync with the rhythm of the heart. I didn't know about this vision. Next week, uh, I take kind of an emergency little break because I I was just not only exhausted from nine months of just grinding with um, no rhythm of rest, but also just felt disconnected and far from the Lord. Like I wasn't just in tune with him. And I don't know if you know this, but my job requires me to be in tune with him, right? Like this, <laughs> you don't want somebody in this position who's not. Um, and so I told the guys, I was like, I got I to gotta go away for a few days. And uh, somebody provided a way for me to go to Hawaii for a week by myself, which I had never done before. And so my only plan was to get in touch with the Lord and to surf a little bit. But I'll tell you what, man, show up. And I spent a whole day just sitting with the Lord. I'm not watching shows. I'm not vegging like that. I'm not reading, you know, nonfiction book or fiction books. Just like I'm just sitting with the Lord. And for the life of me, I could not, like, tune in to him. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go surfing. Maybe, maybe that will be good. And I go out in this, like, 20-foot waves. I don't really surf, right? It's Hawaii, like crazy sauce. And I'm on a board that's, like, terrible for me, and I'm just getting plummeted. I'm, and I'm, at this point, I'm like, I'm Jonah. I'm Jonah. The Lord is sending the ocean to destroy my life right now. I'm dead. I'm not going home. I'm dying out here. And uh, finally get back in, and I was like, the Lord's against me surfing, you know. And the Lord was like, hey, dude, like, what are you trying to do here? Like, what? remember why you're here? And I was like, I'm trying to, like, find you and like get in sync with you. I thought maybe the ocean, Lord. And he's like, no, it's not. No, you're going to die. <laughs> so second day goes by. I'm like, oh, I got to connect with the Lord. I can't. Third day, fourth, fifth 
day, guys. It took me five days. And finally, I was like, oh, there you are. There you are, God. I sense your nearness. Okay, I can hear your voice. It took me five days by myself to get back in sync. And I was telling Aubrey, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's it. I was living. I was doing stuff. I was dancing. It was fine. It wasn't bad. It wasn't sin. There was still some fruit in my life. I was having fun even. But I wasn't in sync with the rhythm of God's heart. So why a rhythm of rest? Because having a rhythm of rest keeps us in tune to the rhythm of God's heart. And that's where we want to be. That's the place we want to live from. Guys, God designed us to rest. And just like trees, in order to bear fruit, have to have rest. Rest is essential to healthy productivity and longevity. Think about it like this. The only reason that God designed the week to have a seventh day instead of just six days was so that we could rest. That was the reason the day was designed. Like I wish that God designed us to where I woke up on my Sabbath and I tried to do some work and I was just, I couldn't like, I couldn't move, right? I was just stuck. Like I couldn't go do work. I tried to think upon work things and not rest and like, I wish, I wish that God did that, but he didn't do that, right? He made us free agents who get to choose to destroy our lives like that and lessen our longevity if we want, have less fruitfulness and productivity. He allows us to do that. He allows us to rebel against this beautiful command to, to rest and this beautiful invitation to have a rhythm of rest. Some of you say, man, I don't, I don't need it, though. I don't feel like I need it. I'm not there. I'm not in that burnout place. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And it's not because it's not about you being tired or not having enough energy or being irritable because you're working too much. This is about stopping long enough to tune into the heart and rhythm and frequency of God so that you can live from that place. And you cannot do that without a rhythm of rest. Plus, God rested and tells us to. And taking a day of rest allows us to tune into his frequency. People tell me, I just can't afford to do it, though, dude. Like, I, you know what? I can't afford to live on 90% of my income. But I believe that's something God calls us to do. And so somehow, all these years, I've been able to live on 90% of my income. Why? Because God comes through. It's better to, like, in God's economy, it's better to have less if he says, I want you to have less, than to, have, to, to, to take ownership over it, control it ourselves, and have what appears to be more. It's just how the economy of God works. And God is inviting us into this, like, different kind of mindset, a different approach to living. Some of you do feel like you're on the verge of burnout. I, I, I want to quote this beautiful thing from Jonathan David Helser. He says, burnout occurs... When our doing exceeds our being. Burnout occurs when our doing exceeds our being. See, rest is about being. It's about stopping long enough to be. Those words in Psalm 46, be still. Half of that statement is be. Just be. Just be still. Be present. Be Hear, be silent, be without your phone. Uh oh. <laughs> be unavailable. What? Yeah, be unavailable. Remember when you used to be able to be unavailable? And people would be like, when are they coming back? 
They said three hours. Okay, we'll wait. Remember that? It's okay. Be unavailable because when you're unavailable to everybody else, that means you can be present fully with God, right? Be. Burnout occurs when our doing exceeds our being. Jesus called his disciples to be with him. So when we say rest, it's not just that we don't work. It's rest like God intended. Here's, here's a few things. I like practical things sometimes with stuff like this, especially when it's like, I ain't got no clue how to do this. Here's some practical things that I try to remind myself of when I'm Sabbathing. So some helpful hints for how to Sabbath well. First of all, no phone browsing. If you've got to have your phone, I'd say no phone. But I'm trying to be nice. No, if you've got to have your phone, no phone browsing. That means anything that has infinite possibilities, which is most of the stuff on your phone, don't do it. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email, Safari, Amazon. No TV. Right? You don't have to watch Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. Listen, you're like, that's, but that's how I chill, that's how I veg. That's a false rest. That is a false rest. And it may not be evil, but it's not good for you. My mom used to call us, my mom used to call our kids uh, televidiots. <laughs> and we'd sit in front of the TV. You can use it if you want on your kids, right? Televidiots. You don't, need, you don't need that in your day of rest. No work. That means if they text you, don't answer. They're going to be all right. No plans except to enjoy God alone and or with family. Enjoy the work of your hands. Sit back like God did after you've worked and, and sit back and take stock with the Lord and be like, man, this is good. I'm going to rejoice in this. I love this next one. Find the divine in the daily. I'm so out here in the, like, what if we, and God, are you doing this? And what about what's about to happen? And right, like I'm a dreamer. And so to be like present for long enough to just find not only like what's happening right now, but to find God in it right now in the little things is a a discipline for me. But God is in the daily. The divine is in the daily. So find the divine in the daily in the small things like a leaf blowing, like hearing a child laugh or in the eyes of your spouse. Next, be present and nurture your heart. Take stock of how you're feeling and why. We'll talk about this later. This is not something that most of us practice. We have no clue how to do this. Some of us even feel like we're not allowed to or like it's wrong. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Next, feed the spirit and starve the flesh. Again, there might be things in your life that it's like, that's not like killing the spirit. But it's not like doing anything to benefit my spiritual life. I do things that feed your spirit and starve your flesh. Next, nurture the body and mind. The body is the temple of the spirit. And so do things that are going to like help that on your days of rest. Take Take a peaceful walk or read an edifying book or have a fruitful conversation. Lastly, tune into what God is already doing around you. And you know what? Some of us are going to have a hard time with this. Like, we don't have a rhythm of this. We've neglected it for far too long. It's going to be a brand new practice for some of us. And for me, when I have a hard time getting there, I, I first just start by putting on some worship music that's going to help, my, help me get from my head into my heart. Because so often I can just, like, stay in my head. And then I just start by, like, doing some deep breathing exercises. Just deep breaths in and out until I feel my heart rate slow down. The Bible says in Genesis 2 that it was God who breathed. He could have just placed life in Adam. 
but he breathed the breath of life into Adam. Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Breath is the most base, essential thing of my physical existence. And so I just like, I'm present with my breath, knowing that God is God's breath in me. And then from that place of just like, okay, the base of my existence, breath. Then I begin to just like build from there, from that rested place. And then I begin to look for the face of God. Not like physical, just in my mind's eye, just begin to like find the face of God. And then I, then I find the smile of God. And I know he's smiling because I know that he sees me through the perfect work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. So I know he's smiling. I find his smile. And then once I find his smile, I can begin to tune in to his heart. I don't ever hear the audible voice of God. Maybe, you know, some people do. But I know that God speaks to our hearts. And we were intended to dialogue with him. He designed us like that. If you are redeemed, man, this is part of what we have access to. So I just open my heart to receive that dialogue. And then I get to live from that place. It's a good place to live from. I get to live from that place for the rest of the week, for the rest of that day. Even if I don't get to, like, have a big old block of time with them again, I get to live from this full place. A rhythm of rest is critical, guys, for holistic health. We were created not to to rest from work, but to work from rest. I believe it's a key part of our preparation for what's coming around the corner. Plus, it's right and biblical. The next one, much shorter one, uh, the E stands for eternal eyes. Eternal eyes. To have eternal eyes means to see things the way that God sees things, to have an eternal perspective. And when we start to see things like God sees things, then everything starts to come into right perspective. And when everything starts to come into right perspective, then it all starts to fall into its rightful place. And things that don't deserve supremacy in our lives all of a sudden start to get demoted to their rightful place. And God, who deserves to be supreme in our lives, starts to get exalted to his rightful place. And efforts and places where we are investing into things that have no eternal value begin to lose their grandeur. And then things that are eternally valuable begin to take precedent. Truth is, as much as I love food and I love creation, I love the ocean, I love good art and good architecture and all that stuff, God didn't save me and leave me here in order to just enjoy that stuff, although I should and I can and it's right to do so. But 1 Peter chapter 2 says that I'm actually a sojourner. I'm a pilgrim. I'm just passing through on my way to a new home where Jesus is reigning supreme. But so many of us, man, how many of us are just way far too comfortable, way too comfortable here on this earth? And the more invested we become in temporal things, the harder for us it is to see the rich value in the eternal things. See, God didn't save us and leave us here to enjoy the things on the earth, although we may. He didn't even save us and leave us here to worship him and glorify him. You want to know why I know that? Because we could do that just as good, actually better in heaven. If that's all he wanted from us, then he would have saved us and killed us, right? But he didn't. He saved us and left us alive. Why? Because although we should enjoy him through creation, although we should worship him with our lives, there is this third thing that he's like, you can't do in heaven. Once you get to heaven, it's too late. And that is being salt and light 
to the world around us, to partnering with him in his mission to, to show the world his love and his grace and his truth. The reason God saved us and left us here is to partner with him in that, to go out and find spiritual orphans and, and help them see that they have a father who has made a place for them in his house, in his family, and in his eternal kingdom. See, God, God's, God's moving, guys. Like more and more, God is just moving. He's stirring up stuff. He's pouring out his spirit. And I just don't want us to be ill-prepared. Satan would love nothing more than for us to be distracted or sidetracked by the glimmering lights of temporal pleasures and to fully miss what God's doing right in front of us. And so it, it starts now. The preparation starts now. And how do we get an eternal perspective? Because, um, again, I just I like the practical well, if you want to see things like somebody else sees them, what do you do? You just get where they are, right? You just get where they are. And so that means we just get where God is. We press into him, and then we start doing the things that he does. We start going to the places where he is. We start uh, prioritizing the things that he prioritizes and neglecting the things that he doesn't care about, right? And if you don't know what God loves and where he's at and all that newsflash here. He doesn't just like live in the church, although he is among us right now, in our presence right now. But man, he's with the marginalized of society. He's with the orphan. He's, he's with the widow. Speaking of which, you want to see things how God sees them from God's perspective. Uh, I encourage you to sign up for and commit to our perspectives course that's starting um, next month. But either way, Let's just begin to discern where his heart is and meet him there with, with eternal eyes. Next, the A is active availability. It's another long but very important one. Here's the deal. God works through his people, not independent of his people. That means God is wanting to demonstrate his power through your life. You may not have persuasive words. You may not be a good talker. Uh, you may be walking with Jesus only for a little bit of time. You may have never prayed publicly for somebody. You may feel fully inadequate and absolutely weak, and you are. But the beauty is the strength of God is perfected in weakness, not in human strength. It wasn't by power. It's not by might. It's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Weak people are God's favorite people to use. Look at Moses. He had a stutter. <laughs> Led millions of Hebrews out of Egypt. Peter, if you were going to start a movement, that's not the dude you put in charge. He was erratic and a, a full-on risk. But Jesus anointed him to lead the early church. Rahab, prostitute, God used her to be an intricate part of his plan. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise, and the base things is put to shame, those things that are exalted. God loves to manifest his power and his presence through weak, broken, beat up, socially awkward, outcast, ex-porn, ex-drug addict, people just learning how to follow Jesus. That's what he does. God chooses to manifest his power and his presence through people like us. Through your gifts, yeah, through the stuff you have, absolutely, but also through the stuff you don't have. Because he doesn't need what we have. And frankly, people don't need what we have. What people need is what he has. And if you're a sp- 
spirit-filled, born-again Christian, then you have everything that they need because you have the presence of God within you. That means that when you show up into a room or into a situation, that Jesus shows up because Christ is dwelling within you. 1 Corinthians 6 says, we are the temple, that is the house. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. Since the beginning of Reality Carp, 15 years ago, I, I led worship almost every weekend when we were there. And people would come out to us, and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, the worship here. Like, what is this? And they'd try to, like, say what it was. You know, they try to pinpoint. Same thing happens here. People are like, oh, I come to Reality. I've stayed here. Just, and the worship, that's just the thing. It's just the worship. Maybe a lot of you feel like that. And we try to pinpoint, like, oh, it's this or it's that. We try to come up with reasons. But we can't maybe put our finger on it. We're like, what is it? And it's not the good musicians. It's not that we pick out the right songs. It's not even anointed worship leaders. What we're trying to find words for is the presence of God. That's what we're trying to find words for. It's just simply the presence of God. And it feels unique to us sometimes because, sadly, there's so many churches in our culture who have all but excluded the Holy Spirit from their gatherings and from the leading of their church. And God manifests his presence through his spirit. So if there's no room to be attentive to his leading or his nearness or the gifts he gives that are supposed to be used for the edification of the body, then a lot of times it's just like, I, I don't sense that thing here. And then you walk into some gathering and you're like, whoa, what is, like, what's that thing? It's just the presence of God. If you experience that in reality, it's not because we're doing a bunch of stuff right. I don't know that we're doing maybe anything right except... Being like, Lord, we know that your presence is the best thing we have going for us. And so we're just going to try to do everything we can to facilitate interactions with you. Because you're it. You're the thing. You are what people need. Remember that, that woman in uh, Matthew 9, I think. Um, she has the flow of blood for whatever it is, 14 years or something like that. And she uh, comes and wants to be healed. But Jesus is all crowded, and she can't get a meeting with Jesus. He's too busy or whatever. And she just gets close to him and touches the hem of his garment. She's immediately healed. What was that? Was there magic in his garment? No, I think that she just got in the presence of God. She just got close, just in the vicinity of God, and then all of a sudden, she was healed. Why? Because that's where the healing is. That's where the hope is. That's where life is. That's where joy is. That's where wisdom is. All those things that people come to church hoping that the preacher is going to say the thing, it's all found in the presence of God. It is all found in the presence of God. Our job, my job is just to try to like not get in the way and just like facilitate the interaction. The presence of God is what the people need. The only fun part about my job, like, Listen, there's a lot of drama with being a pastor, right? There's, it's a lot of work. It's crazy hours. There's a lot of demands. But it's worth it for me because I get to watch people encounter God. And I get to help sometimes facilitate that interaction. That's what the people need, which means that it doesn't matter if I got nothing or if I feel like I got something. As long as you've got the spirit inside of you and you've got everything you need, all you have to do is make yourself available. You have to make yourself available. Last week, um, a few of us sat down with this a girl who was just wrecked from years of not feeling good enough, not, not acting Christian enough, weighed down by guilt and shame and anger and feeling far from God. 
exhausted by the roller coaster. You ever been there? I've been there. Exhausted by the roller coaster of just feeling the ups and downs of trying to walk with Jesus. Wanting intimacy so deeply, but feeling most times disconnected. And she didn't know this, but uh, my wife and I, Emily, had one of the hardest weeks of our um, life, at least in the last several years, this last week. And so we didn't have anything to give. Honestly, I, I, I didn't have any wisdom. I didn't have any motivational speech, no Holy Spirit visions or words for her. I didn't even honestly have the energy to talk for more than a couple of minutes. But you know what I had? I had active availability. I had active availability. I knew that what this girl needed was to encounter Jesus. And I knew that God likes to use weak people like me. And so I chose to make myself available. I chose, I was purposeful, I was active. That's the active part. I was active I was intentional in making myself available. The truth is, this girl didn't need what I had, even on my best day. What she needed was Jesus. What she needed was to encounter Jesus, which meant that as long as she was willing and wanting to meet with him, all I needed to do was make myself available to make the introduction. And all I needed to do was facilitate the interaction with Jesus, which was perfect because that was all that I had the grace for on that night. And so that's what I did. Me and a few other people from the church, we just led her in this very simple time of listening prayer so that Jesus could show up and speak. Because we didn't have nothing to speak. But Jesus is what she needed to hear. And you know who showed up and spoke? It was Jesus. Jesus showed up. This girl sat in the glory of his presence for 30 minutes, and he began to show her pictures and and just began to show her visions of what was happening in her heart, what was happening in her life. He began to speak to her. He began to show her how he felt about her, what he thought about her, the things that were holding her back or at bay. And this, this woman's life was changed this week. It's the beginning of the rest of her life. Now listen, the people who are there, they know exactly what happened that night. And they know exactly what I did or didn't do. And they will tell you if it was some profound wisdom or some Holy Spirit boldness or some faith-filled prayers. But they're not going to tell you any of that because I had none of that. What I had was availability. I was just like, God, here I am. I'm, I'm stepping into this. Now, I wasn't available like this. Like, Lord, I'm here. I'm not doing anything else. And I'm on my phone, but like, I'm, I'm here but, like, if you want me, I mean, you can tell me, right? Like, you're going to put it in the sky or something, make me, okay, but I'm here, Lord. If you, but I'm available, Lord, right? I'm just over here, right? I wasn't like that. I was like, Lord, here I am. I put my phone away. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I ain't got nothing, but I'm available. But I'm available, Lord. That's what active availability is. I'm talking about an availability that is actively looking for God to show up and use you. An availability that is expectant of God showing up and moving and doing that work through you. Listen, availability that is accompanied by expectancy always leads to supernatural productivity. Let me say it again. Availability that is accompanied by expectancy always leads to supernatural productivity. 
Because what happens when you are actively available is that you give God an opportunity to do what he does and to do it through messed up people like us. So you don't need to do anything, but you do got to show up and be available. I'm telling you, church, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And if you'll just start showing up at your workplace, ready to be used by God, just start showing up at that family friend gathering, just start showing up even if you're a community group, start showing up to that city block that God's been putting on your heart, start showing up to that organization who's doing good work in the kingdom of God like it's God's been putting on your heart. You just show up. Just show up. Just show up. I believe that God is going to begin working through you. He works through people who show up with a surrendered availability, like, here I am, Lord, do whatever you want. I don't have anything to offer you, but you got everything to offer them. And as you do that, and as we do that, God will begin to use us as a conduit, begin to change people's lives. Next, deep digging. Dig deep. God's doing stuff in every single one of our lives in some way. Um, if he's not doing something, he wants to. And I think you probably know what's hindering you. But whatever he's doing, I think he's just saying, hey, you need to double down on that. Dig deeper into that. What's the good thing God's doing in your life? Invest in that. Dig deeper into that. Is there a new truth is revealing to you? Like explore it. Dig deeper into it. Over the summer, did he reveal to you like a, a new fresh faith to walk in maybe the gifts of the spirit and you're a little nervous. You're like, God, I know you want to use this for your glory and for the edification of the body, but I'm scared. Dig into that. Is he revealing to you a fresh new lens to see yourself in him through the lens of grace and acceptance and finished work on the cross? Dig deep into that. Did you pray for a revelation of the Father's love and the Father heart of God these last couple of months? Keep digging in that. Open scripture. Read the words of Jesus and find the Father heart of God come out in every single word and every single interaction that Jesus ever had with anybody. Whatever it is, dig deeper into that. And if your relationship with God feels stale right now, then mix it up. If you read a chapter of the Bible... In the mornings, stop reading a chapter of the Bible. Read two words of the Bible and meditate on it for 20 minutes and do it at night. And if your prayer life consists of you talking for five minutes and asking a bunch of things from God and it's not you feel stale, mix it up. Stop talking for a bit. Listen for a change. And stop asking for stuff for a bit. Find a heart of gratitude. Begin to spend time thanking God. Stuff's not working. It doesn't feel right. Mix it up. And if it's working, double down on it. Dig deep down on it. Because listen, when God starts moving, the enemy's not happy. And so he's going to want to come. If God's, you know, wanting to move, part of spirit, wake up people and take off the blinders and wake up the sleepers and make people who had chains take them off. They start dancing in the spirit. Like if God's wanting to do that, the enemy's not cool. He's not okay. Right now he's okay as long as we stay in here. He's like, sick, thanks for doing my job for me. Peace, Right? That's what happens we contain ourselves within our little cute little church bubbles. But as soon as we start becoming actively available and letting ourselves be out there, that means God starts moving and using us. People's lives start getting changed. He might come against us. That means he might initiate some storms in our lives, which means that we need to have been digging deep down so our roots are dug deep down. So when the storms come, we'd be like one of those people on the, the card lots, right? Just like you're planted. You might be moving, but you just that. You know that dude? You know the dude? You know the guy. <laughs> dig deep down. Let your roots dig 
deep down. And lastly, intentional investing. Don't get too happy. This, this is kind of a long one. Uh, <laughs> you guys are all right, right? I'm going to keep going anyways. Um, <laughs> intentional investing. So there's spenders and savers in the room, right? Some of y'all spenders, some of y'all savers. Some of y'all married to each other. It's a hard time. Um, the savers in the room will get this because savers generally know how to invest now for what's coming in the future, right? Invest now for what is coming in the future, but I'm not talking about investing financially. I'm talking about a different kind of investment. I'm talking about an investment that will bear eternal fruit and the kind of investment that prepares you for eternal harvests. First of all, intentionally invest internally. I'll briefly say something about it external in a second, but I, I want to spend some time here. I think this is really important. When I say internally, here's what I'm talking about. There's a lot of things we could talk about, but I'm going to talk about mostly, mainly, the one that none of us give much attention to. First and foremost, invest in your heart. That is your emotional well-being. Now, most of y'all be all right if I'm like, invest in your like, physical well-being. Invest in your spiritual well-being. Invest in your mental well-being. As soon as I say invest in your emotional well-being, you're like, I don't do is this do what's this do about to do right now? That is, I don't even understand what that is. As if our heart was some like disconnected from the rest of our being thing, and that were like from the devil or something. What is that? No, this is something God has given us stewardship over, just like He's given stewardship over our body and our mind. He's given stewardship over our hearts. So you sure as heck better be attentive to what's happening in there. And the reason I said first and foremost is because of all the internal things and internal places we can invest. This is the one that is most often neglected. I just want to give you permission to stop neglecting it. That's from God. God made you like that. He gave you a heart. He made you an emotional being. And you need to care for it. You need to shepherd it well. Jesus said from the heart flows every issue of life. The heart is central to our holistic well-being. And yet, we spend millions of dollars and thousands of hours and programs and diets on bodily, physical health when it's the heart that can do ten times good, I believe, in the kingdom of God than the body could ever do. Ten times more work, ten times more fruit, ten times more productivity, I believe, than the body ever could. Emotional health is key to a healthy, happy, and eternally fruitful life. Yes, invest in your body. Please do. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Treat it right. But you already know that. You already know that. All y'all, a bunch of you made resolutions at the beginning of the year to do that better. But this we don't do. However, in the same way that we know we need to care for our bodies as good stewards, we need to be caring for our hearts. And the church has historically avoided talking about emotions because we've written it off as like, oh, I guess that's God's responsibility. I don't know. It's so elusive and so like hidden and mysterious that we're like, man, if there's something off with my emotions, I guess God's just going to heal me. Like, I'm just going to trust the Lord to heal me. All right, he might, but we don't say that about our sprained ankle. You're not like, I got this sprained ankle. I don't know, I guess the Lord's going to take care of it. 
as you limp around, right? Nobody does that. You, you go to a doctor or you care for it for yourself or at a bare minimum, you recognize there's something wrong with it and you ask somebody for prayer that it can be miraculously healed. But we don't do any of that with the heart. We do that with the body, but we don't do any of that with the heart. Here's the deal. God doesn't always miraculously heal your body. Many of you know that right now. And when he doesn't miraculously heal your body, it is because the process he's taking you through right now is more important than your healing. Otherwise, he would have healed you already. And so it is with our hearts that God can miraculously heal us and all of a sudden everything's good and the pain's gone and the fear's gone and the, the, the disappointment's gone and the deep sorrow, it's gone, it's gone. God can do it in a moment. But usually he doesn't with our emotions because he wants to take us on a journey to learn how to work through those things, to learn how to gain wholeness and healing there so that we have the tools for the next time our heart gets hurt or broken or whatever because somebody knows that's going to happen again and again and over and over in the sinful world that we live in. So how do we care for our hearts? In the same way that we would a body. When you sprain your ankle, you don't start running on it, right? You're aware of it. You care for it. When your heart has pain, you don't ignore it and keep moving on. When you do that to your body, it only gets worse, right? Same thing happens with the, with the heart. Same thing happens with emotional pain or tension or discouragement or whatever it may be. My friend's got nerve damage in his back right now. And uh, he went to the doctor on Wednesday. And the doctor said, I'm giving you this brace. We're doing this procedure. I'm giving you this brace, massive brace. You need to go home. You need to lay on your back for days. What did this dude do? Next day, I see him in his office. If this dude doesn't listen to what the doctor said, he's not going to get healed. He's not going to be okay. Same goes for the heart. You must take care of the heart if you're going to be holistically healthy, if you're going to be holistically healthy being. In the same way, you don't write off the, the pain of the body, but rather you learn to listen to what's happening in the body. We need to listen to take stock and listen to what's happening in our hearts as good stewards of what God has given us. So part of this investing intentionally is you having freedom and the, 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 the choice and the permission, rather, from God to be like, hey, I gave you that. I want you to care for it. I want you to be attentive to what's happening there. That's you being a good steward of what I have given you. That means that if you have some emotional uncomfort, discomfort, that you be present with that. For me, that means just getting quiet again, taking deep breaths, and checking in, saying, what am I feeling right now? Maybe I have to put on some worship music to even get from my head to my heart. What am I feeling? Oh, dang, I'm like fearful of something. Or I feel angry. Or I'm, I'm sad. I feel like I'm on the verge of depression right now. And then I say, okay, why? What's the root of that? Where, where is that coming from? And then once I find the root, I'm able to like begin to go from there. Try to listen to my heart just like I would for my body. And if you don't know how, listen, I, I get that. I didn't know how a few years ago. And then we were invaded with our baby dying and swimming in this pool of very unpleasant emotions. And so we needed help. You know, we went to an incredible counselor. And we're so weird about that stuff. We're like, we go to specialists for our bodies, for our physical well-being, but we won't go to specialists for our heart, for our emotional well-being. It's like a strange, like, lie. I'm not going to say it's demonic, but it is a lie and a strange thing. And uh, I believe your heart's powerful. 
I believe God wants to use your heart and the fullness of your heart to do something beautiful in the world around you. And this is a new way of living that is open to every single one of us. Is it going to take some time? Yeah. Might take some money, might take some investment, but you know what? Every single investment costs you something. But this in my life is an investment that has produced more return and more dividends than anything else in my life. Here's the deal. Uh, you, can, you can only give away that which you have received to the degree to which you have received it. And when we live with these heart, the, uh, walls around our hearts, maybe we put them up for good reason. Because we didn't want people to come in and hurt us any longer. But the thing is, it's also prevented the, the full impact of God's love from getting in. Because you can't get past a barrier like that. If you don't let people's love in, you're closed off to the love of God as well. So that means it's going to take some, like, vulnerability. And as we let down and we allow God's love to work in us, the degree to which we receive his love is the degree to which we can give his love. They work they, they correlate with one another. So be intentional about investing internally. And I'm just going to list off a few of these other ways that we invest internally. Also in the body, in physical health, like I said, that's, that's key, I believe, in this season. In the mind, not just mental illness, but like filling the mind with good stuff, the right stuff. I call this next one life. We, be, we need to be investing in our life, specifically the parts of our life that have eternal value. That job you want to start, that career you're pursuing, that relationship over there, if those things aren't eternally valuable, maybe you need to re- reprioritize, at least in this season, and say, nah, I'm going to let those things rest, and I'm going to invest in the things that have eternal value. That relationship, oh, whoa, there's like some eternal like thing. God's doing something there. I'm going to invest over there. Hear the voice of your father saying, guys, Hey, we're about to go on a trip. This is going to be good. But we need to make some preparations. We're going to make some preparations for what's about to happen. And this last one is calling. I really do think God's going to save people and break through in some really significant ways. And um, I think that some of that is going to come by the harmonizing of spirit and truth, right? That is the power of the Holy Spirit manifest through his people who are operating in the gifts of the Spirit as we should in harmony with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he does so, we just got to be ready, right? We got to be ready. So listen, I, I'm just going to read this because I felt like God gave it to me last. I'm just going to read this straight up. Some of you have gifts that God is calling you to use. Some of you have a specific calling to a specific nation or people group or demographic. I believe it's time to double down on what God has called you to, especially in the next year. I believe there's some artists in the room that I believe God is empowering you right now for this next season. I think he's going to use your art in your life in this next season as a tool to demonstrate his power and truth for the purpose of revealing his love, grace, and truth to people. So double down friend, and trim off the fat that's weighing you down and preventing you from fully running with with endurance the race that's set before you in, in 2019 and 2020. If you're investing your time and energy in stuff that's maybe good, but it's not divine, I think, just, I believe it's just a time for you to let that rest. It's just a season for you to let that rest. And where God is clearly moving, that's where it's time to double down. That's the place where it's time to double down. So that's the location where you should be doubling down. It's going to hurt a little bit to let go of some of that, like let some of that stuff rest. But uh, I believe the blessing from the double down is going to make up for any lack there. If you've been wondering, 
There you go. Take that as a confirmation. And then briefly, just say this. Uh, we also invest externally. Um, you should be looking for opportunities, I think, to plant seeds of the good news of Jesus right now. Just look. Just look for where the peace of Christ is. Not conversation you have with your neighbor. Just see. Oh, what? All of a sudden, everything just turned, and they just asked me about, like, I don't know. What do you think about God? Take that as an open door, right? And plant some seeds there. And invest externally in people around you. Is there somebody who's younger than you in the faith who it's time to start pouring into? Begin to invest there so that you guys can partner for what is coming in the future. So that's it. I believe that's the word for us today to be ready in this next season. Rob, can you put up that first slide again, the very first one with the, the ready? I believe that's, that's God's uh, call for us right now to have a rhythm of rest, eternal eyes, to be actively available, to, to dig deep down and to be intentionally investing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that it's your delight to save men and women, children. Thank you for making a way for us to come into relationship with you. Thank you for being the best friend, Jesus, we could ever dream of. Spirit, thank you for leading us in all truth and revealing the love of the Father to us. Father, it is our joy to be called your children. Thank you for calling us into your family and inviting us into your mission to redeem mankind back to yourself. We're asking in this season that you would help us to be diligent in making ourselves ready for what's coming around the corner. Speaking of intentional investment, I just want to take one minute here and ask um, if there's anybody who was here today and as, as you started hearing me talk about the good news of Jesus. You're very aware today of your um, depravity and your separation from relationship with God. Jesus gave his life on the cross to take away your sin so that you could come back in relationship with God. And today he invites you home, says, come on into the family of God. And so just real quick, I uh, hadn't planned on doing this, but just there's anybody here today who's like, man, I, I need Jesus. <laughs> Dom was talking about, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come in and make somebody aware of their need for Jesus. And you today are like, I, I need Jesus. Or you've wandered so far, man, you used to kind of follow God, but it's been so long, you're like, I don't even know. I don't even know if I ever knew God. And today you're like, no, it's, it's time. I, uh, I want to walk with him. I want to live in his house and his family. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up right now. I want to pray for you. Yeah, that's it. Anybody else in here?
Jesus. The rest of us, uh, if you have somebody in your life by name that you can think of, it's like, man, they need, they need an encounter with God. They need miraculous touch from God, specifically in salvation or somebody who's just wandered far from him and needs to come back. If that's you on their behalf, can you just stand on their behalf? just a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take about 10 seconds where we just say those people's names. We just whisper. We're not to say them out loud. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But we say them. We, we're just going to verbalize those things. We've been feeling like God wants us to just pray by name for people. So um, right now, let's just take about 10 seconds. Just begin to speak. Speak those names. Just whisper those names that you're standing for. Anytime you invade, Lord, an invasion of God is our good. It is for our good. And so we invite you to just invade, Lord, for their good and for your glory. Would you invade? And, Lord, we're aware that you usually do that through your people, which is me, which is us. So I'm just making myself available, Lord, to be used as a conduit to, to facilitate the interaction. I'm weak, I don't have much, I, I don't know how to do this, but I do know how to show up and be a man. Give us everything we need in this season. If you need to be healed in some way, touched by God in some way, the prayer team's going to be on the right and the left right now. Carpets are available for us to take a posture of humility and surrender and praise before God as we surrender our lives to Him. We're going a little late, it's all right, God's with us. Honestly, there's no place... It's going to be better than being right here. If your kids are upstairs, they're fine. God's here with us. Let's practice being present and actively available.